welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome Built on Air community. We're glad to be with you today for today's live show of the podcast. Uh, it is me, Dan Fellers, founder of Onto Air and OpenSide and primary sponsor of Built on Air. Uh, today I'm flying solo just for a little bit. We should get Camille on shortly. She is sitting in Los Angeles traffic and should be arriving to her location shortly and will be joining us. Uh, Ali is not with us today again, still recovering from wedding and honeymoon and catching up on everything, but she should be with us next time. So for now, we're going to start and get going. We are a live show, so we're going to keep the, the show going, as they say. And so we will begin. Built on Air podcast is a weekly live show where we talk about all things Airtable, see what's going on in the community. We always do four different segments um, where we'll highlight different aspects of using Airtable to run your business. So we're glad you could join us and view today's episode. As always, we begin with um, Round the Bases, and this is our opportunity to look to see what's going on in the different communities, talk about any updates. Um, we're mid-month, so there isn't any monthly announcements from Airtable of what's going on, um, but there are some new things that, that are being talked about that, that we'll go over. First, this first one is a question about running scripts um, through the Airtable API. So they're asking if you can um, perform a script or an automation by using the, the API. And um, as Kavan mentioned, there is nothing specific about running scripts via, via their, their API resource. But as Bill mentioned, there is a way where you can use um, the webhook functionality and be able to use that as a way to be able to call that and that will perform an automation. So for automations, you're able to trigger them off of a webhook, which is a URL that they will provide when you use that as your starting trigger. And then you simply just call that from your code or 
other system that you might be using to um, to be able to perform that. So Bill mentioned a nice way where you actually can perform um, automations and automations can then perform scripts. So there is a way where you can you can trigger an automation off of a webhook and then get it going um, off of off of that. So it's a nice workaround if you ever are trying to automate things from an external uh, platform. That is a way where you can automate a, an automation and, and go through there via the webhook. This next one is an interesting one. Um, the question was posed regarding a front end builder release. And so there was mention of it in different podcasts. Our friend Ben Green on his podcast talked about it. Um, and other people reference that there's actually they've actually seen um, snippets of it through different um, different um, um, podcasts or webcasts that that Airtable employees have done, where they've kind of uh, given a sneak peek of what this front end UI might look like. And so when when Camille gets on, I'll ask her opinion about this one. So we might revisit this one, but just very curious to see. You know, anytime Airtable can can highlight any information about what might be coming, uh, we're always on top of that to see what it could look like. So the, the gist of what people are mentioning is that it might be some sort of application builder similar to uh, a, a bubble or uh, some other type of app um, that, that are popular out there. Uh, Retool is another one. So that's kind of probably more what, what I think it might look like. Um, some kind of uh, UI builder that allows you to build custom custom apps off of a GUI and be able to implement that. So this was very um, very interesting. One that will that will keep our eye on. Um, somebody actually pinged a member of the the team at Airtable to get their input, and Jordan has not responded. Um, so it's something that I think they're still keeping under tight uh, lips and not um, sharing too much information on. But if we hear anything, we'll definitely share it with, with our community and, and something that we'll be watching closely as it develops, if at all. Um, this was one where five days ago, if you had any issues dealing with your scripts and they suddenly stopped working or generating errors, um, it appears they had an outage. And so a lot of people mentioned that, that they had issues, um, even just a very basic script. So it wasn't code related. One of the things that's a challenge is, is um, knowing if it's you know an issue on your end or an issue on, on, um, on Airtable's end. So that this appears to have been an issue with Airtable. They must have pushed some kind of update with the scripting block and um, had issues there. So as Kavan mentioned, um, they did they did um, notice the community about this issue, this incident. If you go to status.airtable.com, you can see information about what's going on with different um, incidents and things of that nature. So. It was a Airtable issue, so if you were pulling your hair out trying to figure out what uh, what code bug was was the issue, it, it wasn't your fault. So, moving on, next thing um, 
This is a big one that they just announced uh, yesterday about a new scripting API. So being able to select records by the record ID. So I think this is a, a great step forward. If you've done any scripting, you know that in order to retrieve a single record, you typically would have to pull in all the records and do a loop and do a find until um, you found the one that you wanted. So they've now added a function and in the future, maybe next week or in the coming weeks, we'll do a we'll do a scripting time segment where we talk about this and how it works. But essentially what it is, is the ability to just if you already have the existing record ID, maybe you're using a trigger and it gives that record ID. You can now just simply retrieve that one single record or if you have multiple records, um, you can you can specify um, uh, an array. So this will actually give you multiple items um, with with an array of record IDs. And so this is great um, for using within automations or within scripts. It helps with the memory usage because now you don't have to load in all of your records, which there are memory limitations, especially on the automation side. Um, so this will come in handy. I'm guessing the next phase of what they'll provide is the filter functionality where you can perform a query to just you know, retrieve a subset of the records based off of uh, filter criteria. So this is a initial step to just get, if you already know the record IDs, to retrieve them and then process them as, as needed. So very useful. This will come in handy in, in many ways and um, we'll explore its usage in the future on how to do it. Um, and it looks like they're still working through the, the documentation and getting that all worked out and it may not be fully phased out. So if you are trying to use this this week and it's not quite working, then um, it may not it may not be available yet in your base as they roll these out, you know, on kind of a, a segmented effort. So feel free to um, play with that one and, and let us know your feedback there with that new API. All right, that was kind of it within the Airtable community, other than the standard questions, and we might dive into to one of those in the future. But um, that that was kind of the highlights of the Airtable community. Moving on to Reddit, a common question that gets asked is whether you can sell a base that that you've created. And um, so you might have created a base and it's valuable and you want to um, and, and you want to make a little bit of money off of, you know, the effort and time that you've put into that base. That's a common question of how can you monetize that? Um, there is somebody posted in, in the Reddit community that they're actually building a product. So this paytable.io definitely worth checking out. I have not personally used it. Um, but it's a definitely an interesting concept of how you can monetize your, your bases and get that. And it looks like they support notion in addition, and you can actually, um, you know, it, it provides the way to collect payments and then share that base with you. 
the challenge with sharing a base is that once once somebody copies it, then they kind of have a, a replica of of your base and um, and whatnot. So it, it does become challenge. The other bigger challenge that, that that that's a frustration is that if you were to monetize a base, trying to get updates out to people that have already purchased your base is is, is really not possible at this point. We'll talk actually in, in another segment on this episode, we'll talk about the meta APIs and how you can use those to potentially, you know, auto create new tables and fields as, as you push them out. But it's, it's not quite there yet. We'll talk about why that is in the next segment, but, um, but yeah, so, so I think it, this is still pretty early to, as, as far as, um, as far as the maintenance side of managing existing bases and um and, and seeing it through but for sure if you just have an initial base that's pretty solid and you just want to get it up there check out paytable i think that's a that's a great idea and as um airtable makes more underlying functionality come out then i think um we'll see we will see uh this area explode more of sharing your your data and your structure and and maintaining it going forward so definitely one worth worth checking out next one from the reddit community um is linking records across bases so i'll read this um question it says our company keeps lists of talent where we like working with and those people are often duplicated on multiple lists is there a way to reflect all the lists that individuals show up on across tables? For instance, if I have a base with grid list of project ABC and talent appears on A and C, is there a way to have the record for talent one and project A communicate with the record for talent one and project C? Ideally, I'd like to be able to set it up so that on a separate grid, I can look at talent one and see all the projects we are working with them on. So this is a perfect example of uh, understanding a relational database and people on this thread give great um, feedback. Um, William, who is um, active on the Reddit community, gives a, a perfect layout of how you would do this using a relational database. Um, and I see a lot of similarities between William and Bill French, <laughs> but I know they're different people. I've met them both via Zoom and both have been on our podcast in the past. And we now have Camille. Welcome, Camille. <laughs> Hi, I live in Los Angeles and sometimes yes. the rumors are true and traffic is awful. <laughs> Even early in the morning. So yeah. Uh, Hi. Good. Welcome. So we're deep into uh, around the bases talking about mm -hmm. we've already been through the Airtable community mm -hmm. and we're now on to Reddit talking about um, a good use case of, of understanding how relational databases work. And the question was somebody, you know, has, has a list of talent that they were using, I assuming as a dropdown in multiple tables, but they, now they want to see that the value of that dropdown. So essentially the answer is don't use dropdowns, create another table of your list of talent, and then you can link them to the different projects and the projects could either be in the same table and which would probably be the preference and create views for your different projects. Um, or if it made sense to have them in different tables, you can still link them to the same person. 
And then from that person table, you can see all the links associated there. So uh, William here, you know, I was mentioning that that for a second, I thought this was uh, Bill French because of some of his terminology, but they're different people. I've met them both. <laughs> so I do want to go back, Camille. I mentioned that um, there's a couple of these I want to get your input on. First was um, this new scripting API of using uh, record IDs, being able to select just by a record ID. Yeah. What's your initial reaction to that? I think that is, it's useful in both cases, but um, in terms of the scripting app and automation scripts, I think it's especially useful for automation scripts because a lot of times you're, you have your trigger being based on some change or some new record and you already know exactly which record you want to deal with. But if you had a script involved in the automation, you would have to query every single record in the table first and then you know, filter out essentially the ID that you already know, and then you have the record object. This is much faster. If you already know which record you want to deal with, just start from there. And then, you know, if you have thousands of records in your table, I mean, you're, you're wasting resources. So this is, you know, super, super useful. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to see it. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the thing that, that this helps with is um, I've done automations where, you know, they trigger for each record and I didn't want to have to query all the data for that record. So you'd have to pass them in as input parameters. So now this helps so that you don't have to pass all the data for that record in as input parameters. You can just pass in the one record ID and then query that, that one record. And then you can get the, the data from, from that instance, instead of having to set up input uh, parameters for each data element you wanted for that record. Yeah. So it comes in handy. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Why don't we move on? Um, we will. Um, okay. So this was one on, on Twitter that I thought was interesting. Uh, so this person I actually know, um, she actually has a very popular community of her own and helps um, companies start up. And so she's pretty well well-respected, but she has a very different uh, take on, on um, Airtable and just basically states Airtable is so awkward. And so I thought this thread was interesting um, reading through it. You know, not everybody loves Airtable the way that, that we do, um, which is always good to hear other people's perspective on, on what they don't like about it. And so um, the other comment was just good enough to make you imagine the things you actually want. I think there's some truth to that. There are definitely times where you, you get to a point where you're like, oh, if it could just do it this way, it would be so much um, easier. Um, other comments. Um, you know, other people come in and say, you know, it's been great for me. Mobile app is fantastic. Although I think some people would argue with that comment. Um, so then somebody made the comment that if you're just looking at it for, for the data itself without any kind of automations or, or scripts or apps, then it's mm -hmm. pretty basic. But once you get that automation aspect of it going, then then you see the, the power, power of it. Um, this might show, you know, where Amy's coming from. She just said, you know, how is that better than having your own SQLite database? Very, 
Most people probably don't even know what SQLite is. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that tells me all I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants yeah. to sit there and make an SQLite database and make it good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so SQLite is kind of a standalone basic SQL uh, database um, that you could run on your own, um, but it doesn't really have much of a UI. There are different UI no. builders, but very uh, but I think Her yeah. reply below that, um, worse than a spreadsheet meets worse than FileMaker, but together I think is a better sort of, you know, peek into this particular viewpoint is like FileMaker lets you do anything and you build your own user interface on top of it. It's also like, I feel like it's more expensive when you look at it, you know, just pure, like it costs more and it, the product is dying. <laughs> Leaving that one alone. Yeah. It does have a lot more features and a lot more capability than Airtable does. And spreadsheets have like dozens more formulas than Airtable has, but they are different use cases. So you wouldn't, use a, you wouldn't use any really database that you would have used a spreadsheet for or vice versa, probably. If you need a spreadsheet, you would use a spreadsheet. And if you need a database, you need a database. The FileMaker one is, is more interesting to me because it does, FileMaker does have a great many number of features that Airtable doesn't. It's also much harder to learn and much more expensive and dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know, yeah, people that, that come from that world talk about everybody moving from FileMaker to Airtable, so. Yeah, I'm curious for the uh, the open source alternatives to Airtable, which are very similar, but have some of the missing kind of components that Airtable doesn't like, you know, infinite number of records is, is one of the ones that is most often in Airtable's direct sort of competitors in a similar space. Um, having, being able to host your own server, all of those kind of things that are improvements upon what Airtable provides, but still being in the same sort of space without being a completely different product. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyways, it's interesting to see not everybody, you know, it, it, it's different for everyone. I'm trying to remember, I believe Amy Hoy's business partner was one of the very early uh, people to join our podcast. So I believe they maybe they've moved off of Airtable since then. It was a year or two ago, but um, I, I believe they they've used it in their business. So um, interesting to see that reaction there. <laughs> so not everybody is a is a fan of of Airtable. That's okay. We can make it work, and and um, we're trying to find. You know, we're always looking for ways to overcome. For sure, it's got limitations and room for improvement. Um, but, uh, in and of itself, I think it's a pretty good tool to, to use, which is why we're here. So any other, um, any other things that, that, uh, you, you missed some of the other ones that we've talked about, but anything you want to highlight that's happening in the communities? Uh, I'm going to say no. Okay. That's good. Yeah, it was relatively, there was only the kind of that one announcement from, from Airtable um about that new feature so nothing nothing too uh pressing on that front so so for the rest of the episode we're gonna do uh i'll do a spotlight on the primary sponsor on tear then i'll highlight an app a day and also do some scripting time that will give you camille do you have a audience question that you're gonna do for us 
I do have it picked out. I just need to pull it up. Okay, we'll we'll give you time. So I'll be I'll take uh, the next few segments and then get get you time to to get ready. So with that, we're now going to go to our spotlight on onto air. It's the all in one toolkit to run your business. It's a suite of apps that help you do a variety of things from backups to managing your schema to automating more things. Our latest push is in the Google Drive integration space, allowing you to automate document creation, populating your data into Google Docs, Google Sheets and Google Slides and converting them into uh, end documents like PDFs and saving those back into Airtable. So the full suite of document management. For today's spotlight, I'm gonna showcase one of our functions that is under our OntoAir Actions app. And this is a common use case. I actually believe I saw this in the community, somebody asking about um, the ability to perform an upsert in an automation. And what is an upsert? An upsert is a merge. I don't think it's a real word, but if you're familiar with database nomenclature, it basically means um, it's a combination of update and insert. That's why you get upsert. So it's essentially combining the ability to update an existing record. And if that record doesn't exist, then creating a new record all in one step. And so that's what an upsert does. Now, what's interesting about Ontario Actions that it allows you to do, this is a sample use case of a customer and client of ours. And what we're doing is we're actually performing an upsert from two different bases that don't actually even um, reside in the same account. So we're actually moving data from one account into another account that don't even have any kind of relationship between them. The users can't see data in either in the other corresponding base. And so because of how Ontario is configured, you can actually have a connection to one base that is using an API key talking to one account and that's your source base. And then you set up um, a trigger of when that data it changes in your source. So we're using a last modified date. You can also use when somebody checks a checkbox or when a date expires or a custom formula, or if you know the record ID, you could use that. So there's a variety of ways that you can set up your trigger when the data is updated. And then, um, and then you can specify your destination and you can actually use a different API key for your source and your destination. So we're actually using data from one API access and pushing it into data from another API access. And then you simply just specify what you want to do when um, it's trying to match data. You'll need to store some unique identifier Maybe it's a name. Typically, I recommend using the record IDs because those are always unique. And then you just specify what you want to do each time. So the upsert allows you to update if there's a match and then create if no match. You can also um, ignore if there's a match or ignore um, creating a new one. So you just want to update or only create new ones. So if it exists, then you want to ignore it or you can just always create a new record every time this, this runs. And then you simply set up the mapping between your source and your destination, the different fields. 
And then attachments, if you're doing attachments, you can override what's already in there or append to the existing attachment array. And with that, you can then move data from one base to another. And those bases don't even need to be in the same uh, account. They can be, but they don't need to be. So that's a very common use case for managing data between bases and easy to set up. You can actually install it to where it runs completely on our infrastructure. So you don't even need to set up an Airtable automation. You can have it run hourly or instantly or however you want. Or if you do want to incorporate it into an Airtable automation, you can do that as well, or call it from an Airtable script if you're doing a script, so, or Zapier. So that is uh, Ontario Actions. There's a whole library of different functions that you can run. This is just one of them. So check it out at ontoair.com. With that, we're going to go to App a Day. And I was looking at um, the different apps. And actually, I had a use case with a, with a customer the other day where they needed kind of a matrix view of two um, uh, two fields that they wanted to compare. And this is an app, Camille, I don't know how much you use the, um, the matrix app, but it's one I knew existed and I maybe tried it in the early days, but I haven't used it too much. But once I used it with the client, I realized this is a pretty cool app that I should use more often. <laughs> it's and, yeah, I agree. It's pretty useful. It reminds me a lot of like a Kanban view, but with additional with, I think they're called swim lanes where, yeah. you know, you, you have your vertical sort of groups, but now you also have the horizontal groups as well. So, yep. yeah. yeah. So you basically set it up and it actually does a good job of, it tries to guess um, two different um, fields that you can use. So it's one table that you're looking at. You can filter it down to a view if you want, and you can, you just specify which field do you want for your row and which field do you want for your columns? And you can turn these little um, switches on so that it filters it and only shows you items where there's data in them. So there must be a value in the column or a value in the row for it to display. So it filters out any empty stuff. Or if you turn them off, then it will show you the empty ones. So for here, um, and then you can also color it. You can actually even, I, I haven't tried this one, but you can actually even like have a field that defines what color you want them to display. Um, I think the, the view one will use the, the view. So that's kind of cool. The other cool thing is it has these, these plus to add a new record. And this makes it really easy to like, if you were um, like a common use case would be like assigning people to jobs or um, projects and you want to easily say, okay, this person's not working on any projects. I'm going to add them to this project. And um, when you click on the add new record, it brings up the, the editor, but you notice that it's already populated those two fields with the corresponding wherever that, that cell resides. And so it saves you that step of having to, um, select the category and select the, the project lead. So very cool, very useful way for dealing with two two dimensional um, data that you want to see in, in this kind of format. So 
I think I'm going to be using this more often now that, that I've revisited it. And um, I, I'm thinking of more use cases. I can find places for it. Yeah. All right. Why don't we, are you ready? I am. Okay. We're going to move you up and give you a chance to talk. So if you want to share your screen, we will do an audience question. Is, is my screen being shared? Not yet. Whoops. Now is it being shared? Yeah. Okay. So this is a question um, that was from last week. And it was essentially uh, the type of question where you have two different fields that you want to look at. Um, they wanted to use um, one field to determine how many days they wanted to add to another date. So in this case, they have the date, something that was quoted, and then depending on what type of shipping they had uh, determined how many days they want to add on to the quotation date to get this new delivery date or payment date. So um, I chose this question because one of the first sort of approaches to solving it involved a nested if statement. And when I was looking at this question, the first thing I thought of was a switch because we are looking at the same field twice. So if shipping equals boat, then this. If shipping equals something else, then that. Since we're only looking at shipping, a switch statement is perfect. And so you don't really need a nested if statement. And the other thing I noticed um, was that if you have um, the same type of function that has varying inputs, you don't need to put the whole function, the complete function once, and then a complete function again with separate inputs. Like in this example, where put in the whole date add function with a particular number of days, and then put it again with a different number of days added. You can actually write it much, much more simpler by having the date add once and then determining how many days in just one line. So again, this is I chose this question just to show that um, when you have a, a function like date add and the second um, operator, second argument, the second argument in a date, date add function is how many uh, of the particular time unit you want to add or subtract that can be a function itself. And so really what I wanted to get across is when you're writing formulas in uh, Airtable or Excel or Sheets, they're all kind of similar in this, in that if you feel like something could be simplified, you probably can simplify it. Um, the notion in programming is don't repeat yourself or dry. If you find yourself repeating something a lot uh, within one formula, there's a chance that you could condense it down. Yeah, yeah, that that is uh, great. That that's an awesome shortcut. Um, there are times where it is a challenge. Like mm -hmm. I wish there was some way where you could like store the value in a variable within that yes. formula. <laughs> Variables would be great, and the. <laughs> unfortunate workaround would be to have a whole other field yep. that calculates whatever that form that variable would be and then you call it like you would a variable by just putting in the name of that field yep. but you have extra fields in your base now and um 
that is a drawback um, that you, you, there, there's an, there is a field limit for tables. I have never gotten even close to what that field limit is. Mm -hmm. I think it's in the hundreds. Um, I think it's 500. Yeah, um, I've never gotten that close, but some people have. And so yeah. if you're if you're hurting for space or even if you ha just have too many fields to keep track of, that becomes unwieldy. Um, and so <sighs> improvements to be made. However, it, um, sometimes if it's something as simple as uh, as this, condense down and use switches. Sometimes you don't need a, a nested if. Nested ifs are uh, hard to keep track of in Airtable's formula builder since the window is so small. Yeah, yeah, that, that's another area it could improve in. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking of, I had a use case with a customer of, it would be really nice if, if you could get the field name and use that in your formulas because sometimes yep. the field name it all, could almost work like a variable. Um, I would agree. I can think of a couple of different instances where that might be uh, super useful. Like yeah. um, if you're if you're outputting, you know, if the value of your formula results in either editor or author, for instance if you could then say, all right, well, the, the answer is author. So pull from the author field mm -hmm. instead of pull from the editor field. Like you yeah. could do that, but that's a longer formula that you yeah. would have to write. It would be nice if it was something that you could just pull in based on the, the name of the field itself. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. X in, uh, in, um, Google sheets, you can do that. And so that, that, um, is useful. Mm -hmm. I've had to move Google Sheets over and they were reliant on that. We had to figure out a different way to do that. Yeah. So very cool. All right. Great way to um, showcase the power of optimizing. Yes. Dry is a great principle. If you're getting into coding, that is one okay. of the core principles. I always tell um, people that are just learning how to program to it, follow that principle. It is hard when you're when you're first yep. um, kind of starting out because when you're, at least with me, when I'm learning something, repetition is helpful for me. If I write out something multiple times, I retain the information longer. But with dry, don't repeat yourself. You don't want to repeat yourself. You want to do it once the right way the first time. Once <laughs> the right way the first time and then never do it again. So... You know, I could look at some of my older um, scripts or some of my older apps and seeing how they can be just shortened and condensed. Uh, but it all sort of relates back to formulas. Uh, last year with the last year, either last year or the year before, I don't remember time anymore. <laughs> um, at the Airtable user conference, Kavan had a great uh, session where she talked about formulas being the gateway to all of those types of coding with Airtable. And I completely agree. Once you get really good at, at um, writing formulas in Airtable, scripting is just the next sort of step up. And you can hone sort of the key principles of coding while you're still doing formulas. And one of those principles is don't repeat yourself. Yeah, yeah, very good. Thank you, Camille. Mm -hmm. 
All right, before our last segment, um, just a quick one more. I, I might have said I'm not going to do this again, but I want to um, add my screen back. I want to give one more shout out. I'm leaving it open for one more week for anybody, any experts or power users that want to join the OpenSiders network. Uh, Camille and I are part of it. And along with 20 plus other people, we meet either one or two times a month and talk about kind of deeper dive into more technical, more advanced topics within Airtable. We'll often get people um, from Airtable or other outside people that, that are heavily involved in, in the ecosystem to come and, and give us uh, demos or talk about what's going on. So highly recommend it for anybody that, that wants to get deeper into this world. If you're already doing consulting work um, within Airtable, we talk about you know how to get more business, how to improve your business, things of that nature. So check us out, um, contact us, contact me through OpenSide and I'll give you the information that you need or see our post in the uh, Airtable community or join the Built on Air community. It's also post posted in there as well in our Slack channel. Okay, for our final segment, scripting time. I mentioned last week that we were gonna dive deep into meta APIs and um, let's do that. So, <clears throat> so one of the cool things about that the Airtable is, is getting into is the ability to dynamically create tables and fields within uh, your table and allow you to do that. You can now do that through the scripting API before it was just available through the app developer environment. Um, so now this, this makes it easy to, to do it through scripts. And so I'm gonna walk through how you would um, do that and what it looks like. So the first thing that, that you can do is you can actually create new um, tables within your base. So that's done with the base.createTable async. This will be the name of the table. And then you give it an array of fields um, that will be added upon table creation to, to your table. So you give it the name. So this will be the, the label of the field. And then you specify the type. And um, one thing that, that is important to know is um, they don't support all field types yet. And this is actually a, a, a big hurdle until you can really take advantage of this meta API. So as far as the, the fields that they do support you creating, it's um, this list here. I won't read them all, but um, the ones that they don't support is this list here. And so the big one is, is formula. Some of so these other any, ones. Any that, calculated field, right? Uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks like any I, calculated field. I think it's all calculated fields. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all calculated fields. Which um, is, I get it for some of these. Formula, right. I understand, because they have a particular formula language that they use and, you know, what if you come out with an error or something? Yeah, it's fine. But auto number, auto number. Yeah. Why? There's no settings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That one is odd. Yeah, exactly. Or even created by last modified by, I mean, maybe the date formatting. 
some of these I feel like should be able to be created. And then maybe you don't edit the options, but yeah. I don't know. Auto number shouldn't be on that list. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But I think they made, yeah, they made that kind of hard line of we'll only do yeah. updatable um, fields. So um, that's why like we at Ontario, we kind of, we keep our eye closely on this because we have a schema AP, uh, app that allows you to, to manage or, or track all of your fields. And we're exploring how we can leverage the, the meta API to help with automating uh, creation of data. But really, I think it would be a frustrating experience of not being able to do these because have you used any base that doesn't use these fields? <laughs> I don't think I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, no. Yeah. So it would be tough to try to build some kind of automated solution that, that, that doesn't support these to try to, you know, market that. I think people would get frustrated pretty quickly. So that's why we've held off until, until these are supported. <clears throat> but anyway, so if by chance you can survive without those, um, those needing to be auto-created and you're okay doing them manually, then this is the uh, API to do that. So you can do all the fields um, at once. When you're creating a table, you have to have at least one field in your array because it needs a primary field. So it could just be a, a name field that's a single line text um, and whatnot there. So this is going to create a new field with two with or sorry, a new table with two fields, a name and an email. And then it returns just the table ID. So if you want to do more to that table, you then need to get it from the base. Either you could actually get it from this table ID or the name. And I actually haven't run this yet. So I'm, I'm curious to see if this will work because I'm curious to see if you, you can retrieve a table that you just created um, or if there needs to be some kind of like resync process happening. So I'll be curious to see what happens when we run this. <clears throat> um, then the next thing is this way is it, once you already have a table that's already created and you want to add fields to it, then based off of the um, table reference, you can use the create field async. And here you just pass in the, um, the name. So let me capitalize that. So it'll, the name will be phone and then the type is phone number. And then the other way, if it's a single select field that has choices, then you can actually um, pass in those choices. So here you can, this will be the selection in there and you can actually also specify the color. Um, unfortunately, I could not find, let me see if they document the colors. Oh, it's it's somewhere, but I don't think it's in here. There yeah, it is in the in the um, app SDK documentation, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's in the scripting one. I couldn't find it. For everyone's reference, they follow a, a somewhat predictable um, a, a color naming scheme. So there's the base colors, blue, yellow, orange, etc. And then each of them have dark one um they have light one light two and dark one dark two yeah so if and you just type in light then it will the autocomplete will give you some choices 
Yes. It's so. it's the color, light, dark, bright. Those are the four sort of variants. And then there's two types of light. So just just so you know, if you if you had to guess what the correct color would be, guess one of those. The color name, either bright, light, or dark, or nothing. Um, and then one or two at the end. And then you could probably- Interesting, it's only given the light ones in the autocomplete. But not, <laughs> well, dark, dark is one, I'm pretty sure, I think. That dark isn't showing up. <laughs> oh no, am I wrong? I oh, think yeah. you're right, but I wonder maybe they're not exposed in the scripting. That's strange. Yeah, so we'll do, yeah, so only light is coming in the autocomplete. So we'll can do that. So that's how you would um, add new fields. And if it has choices, so like a single select or a multi-select, um, you just pass in this choices object with that's an array. And then if you ever needed to update that, this is interesting. You can't just add one additional one if you want to update it. Anytime you update it, you have to give the full list. So one way to do that, and this comes from their documentation, is just to grab the existing list of choices from your field. And this dot, 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 that's called a spread operator that basically extracts all those choice values and inserts them into here. So it's kind of a shortcut way to, to put all of those in there. So this will get all the existing one and then add a new one after those existing ones. So this is the logic for just adding one new one, but you need to make sure that you get all the previous ones because without that, then it will change your array to just be one selection item and it will delete those the previous ones in there. Yes. This is a, a concept that's throughout sort of Airtable and JavaScript in general is if you're updating an array, you want to, if you want to include the existing items of the array, you have to in declare that first, and then you add the stuff at the end. You also need to spread your um, original options, like you said, with the three dots at the front. If you didn't have those three dots, you would be passing as an array item, another array. So Airtable wouldn't be able to read that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Th there's a lot, <laughs> there's yeah, a lot there's in a lot here, but, but uh, it's the same with like, adding something in in an automation. Like if you wanted to um, append a new multi-select item to some record that already had a few things selected, you have to pass in what it already had selected and then the new thing at the end. Yeah. So this is just a, a concept that's everywhere in Airtable. Yeah. yeah, and if you're wondering about this squiggly line, check out last week's episode. We talk about why that is. Um, and I saw this earlier. This one takes a little bit more effort. Um, actually requires two question marks to get rid of the squiggly line. So check out last week's episode. We explained those those issues that why why they complain about that. Okay, let's run this. Let's see if it works. So we should create a new table. It will have two initial fields, and then we're going to add a third field and then a fourth field with, and it should end up with three choices, type A, type B, and then new choice. So everything got run smoothly. Let me do this so we can see it get created. There's our people. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't put any uh, console.log. 
And we have our email, our phone. I guess I didn't capitalize this when we have type A, type B, a new choice. So it ran and we got our colors in there. Blue, red, I didn't specify color for that one. So we successfully created a new table with four fields and different field types. Yay. All right. Have, have, you, have you attempted a multi, multiple record link creating a table with that type of field declared first. That's right, because you can do that now. Huh? You can. Um, for reference, um, my newest app, Junction Assistant, does this, where it allows you to create a new table. And the whole point is that it only really deals with multiple record link type fields. If you create a new table and in the process of creation add multiple record links at the same time, Airtable hates that. So what the app actually does is it creates the table first, waits for the table to be in existence, and then it adds the fields to the new table and not like you have up at the top where you create the table with certain um, fields in place already. Yeah, I don't know if you can do that in scripting because scripting is all as asynchronous. So maybe that it maybe it's not a problem there but for everyone's reference if you wanted to peek behind the curtain that's how junction assistant does it gotcha yeah so you can't add them to this initial list i don't know you can't do it in apps unless you make the entire app i think asynchronous so i'm i'm curious uh to see but you're doing it with um does the link go to a previously existing table or yes. is it so all of the tables that you're selecting exist already the, the table that you're creating of course is brand new but yeah. i was running into i think what it i think the problem was when you create intertable record links you're adding a field not just to your table that you're looking at you're adding a reverse link to the other table so I think the, the error that it was running into was in the existing tables, it was trying to create a link to a table that didn't exist yet. Hmm. So I think that's why it had to be done. I'm not sure if you can do it in scripting. You can add, you can add a new field to an existing table that is a multi, multiple record link field. I don't know if you can create a table with a multiple record link field declared. Yeah. I haven't tested it. Let's, uh, let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I genuinely don't know. I have my suspicions that it would run into an issue. Oh, we got to do this on a new one. Yeah. Okay. Um, link 
type will be uh, multiple record links. And our object, yeah. Is it this? This, right? Yes. Cast. We're creating a new link test, and we have a link that points to this result table. Let's close out. Let's give it a try. Mm -hmm. It worked. Okay. Asynchronous. There we go. Yeah, that's know. the difference. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, very cool. So you can do this in um, scripting. If you're doing any app development, then that scenario won't won't uh, work. If there's a way, there's ways around it. I just didn't go with that option. This the the wait for the table to be made and then add the fields later. Right, right. Um, is you 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 run into less errors that way anyway. Yeah. But it is good to know that uh, you can do it without sort of any sort of workaround within the scripting environment. And that took you about two minutes to, yep. to test. So very quick. Very cool. So definitely powerful. Like I said, once once they get the full breadth of field, it will be a, a complete game changer of what you could do. So anxiously awaiting that. So that concludes today's episode. Thanks, glad Camille, you could make it. And everybody out there, glad you could join us. Um, feel free to give your feedback. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and join us next week. Until then, we hope you enjoy what you build on air. Take care. for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.